0: And MIDI can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com.
1: And now, ladies and gentlemen, the SoBros Network proudly brings to you some in-depth movie discussion
2: with our resident film critic, Brandon Vick. Happy evening, everyone. The Vix Flicks Podcast is here.
1: So, Bros Nation, welcome back for episode 46 of the Vix Flicks Podcast, right here on Sobros Network. I'll be your host for the day, Big Natural Stony Keeley, the EIC at SoBrosNetwork.com, uh, joining you from SoBros HQ out here in the nice, wonderful Gladeville, Tennessee. Today, we're going to be talking movies with the resident film critic of SoBros Network, Mr. Big Shot himself, Brandon Vick. Thank you.
2: Thank you. Thank you. Oh, my God.
1: How are you doing today, Brandon?
2: Uh, not too bad. I'm actually um, preparing to watch Capone, starring Tom Hardy, tonight, which I've has gotten severely mixed reviews, and uh, really? I'm kind of looking forward to it because Tom Hardy, you know, he gets pretty nuts in almost everything he does. So
1: I'm a big I'm a big Tom Hardy guy, and I know we've got some Tom Hardy content up on SobrosNetwork.com this week.
2: Oh yeah, we got what Bronson, and then of course my top um, my top five favorite Tom um, Hardy characters that he's played. But yeah, it's um it's been really almost straight down the middle. Either people have kind of loved it and hey Tom Hardy goes you know balls to the wall in his performance, and there's others that are like this is pointless, this is gross, it's brutal for no reason. So I'm actually interested in seeing it for myself because I I feel like it's kind of that Venom thing like you know, either people hated it or they liked it. And, but because of Tom Hardy, he can make the difference in a movie. So we'll see how it goes.
1: And he has a a pretty well documented history of playing actual people.
2: Oh yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, I mean, his character in Lawless was based on a real person. Bronson's based on a real guy. And obviously Capone is based on a real guy. So, so, yeah, and I mean, he really kind of digs into it. But I don't know. I I feel like if anyone's ever seen like some of his performances, especially like with Bronson, but also um, there was an FX series called Taboo. Oh, and yeah. That was, yeah. That was pretty wild. So, I mean, you know, I, even with Venom, I mean, Tom Hardy does not half ass anything for better for better or for worse. He does not half ass anything
1: which tier do you put him in among actors today? Is, is he the A team? Is he the B team?
2: I think, you know what? People probably won't agree, but I actually would kind of put him maybe in the B only because of some of the stuff he's done. And it's not always, I mean, you know, a team is one of those, like it's kind of like a Ryan Gosling and a Bradley Cooper. I mean, Tom Hardy, listen, when he does stuff, you pay attention, but there's things with venom and other things that he does indies on. And it, it It's always it can be hit or miss, so I wouldn't put him in top tier. But he ain't down there at the bottom by no means. He's
1: a really interesting guy because I think he's he's really good and he's done some really good movies. But I don't know. You can speak to this better than I can. I don't know if he's necessarily the box office draw that you usually see from the A listers. Like I thought it was interesting. You said when Tom Hardy does something, you pay attention. But do you necessarily pay your money?
2: Well, true. Well, I will say there are things. I would say Venom is probably his first real box office success as a main star. Now, listen, yeah. he's been in Inception, and he's been in Dark Knight Rises, I understand, but that you don't need Tom Hardy to go see a Batman movie.
0: No, it's so true. Venom,
2: Venom was kind of the first one, which made a lot of money. Now, it wasn't a critical success, but, um, but yeah, I mean, that's a fair point. I think that's kind of what holds him back is— there's not that, you know. I mean, you know, it's almost like you know he's a great actor, but you can't really say he's been in a ton of great movies.
1: Mm, yeah, that's an interesting way of putting it.
2: Right. Yeah. So, but, um, but yes, I do listen. I have enjoyed uh, the stuff he's done. Which, but you know what? It also says a lot about him and the risk he's willing to take because he doesn't just do a superhero movie. Yeah, that's sure. not that's not how. He is So we'll see. We'll see you tonight, I hope.
1: You mentioned your your top Tom Hardy characters is up on SoBrosNetwork.com. You wrote that a year or two ago. Uh, given the movies that have been released since then, things that you've watched since then, does yeah. it still, do you think that list still holds up? Are those still your top five?
2: Yeah, no, I wouldn't change anything. I haven't seen anything um, that would make me want to replace one for the other.
1: Yeah. Not at this stage. Well, man, what have you been up to this week? What have you been? What have you been watching on the tube during the quarantine?
2: Listen, I, honestly, man, there's been really it's kind of come to a a standstill. I think there's more about shows really than there are movies. But um, Capone is one of the ones that have been, you know, people have been talking about that is released um, on Tuesday. And then there's um, it's kind of the next. I feel like Trolls World Tour, Scoob, the Scooby Doo oh, yeah. animated movie that now is has come out uh, that will come out on Friday and um, I can't wait for that. Are are you really? Are I'm you pumped? I'm
1: pumped, man. I Scooby Doo is that's like comfort food for my soul. Like that takes me back, man, to to summer breaks watching Scooby Doo in the morning right after breakfast and then going outside and playing all day in the woods. That that's me, I'm, man. That's a slice of Americana.
2: I'm interested in seeing exactly what um what the interest is. But I actually thought about like, Hey, listen, I would go see it in theaters and now things have changed. I think it's probably going to run about 20 bucks, same as trolls world tour. But I'm like, you know what? It's kind of tough not to want to see it.
1: Do you want to get together, sit six feet apart and we'll just split it 10 bucks each.
2: Yeah, we should.
1: Or we can, we can get our girlfriends involved, your fiance, excuse me. Yeah. And we'll just coerce them into, paying five bucks and we'll just all pay five bucks. And there you go.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I'm not going to tell Brittany, let's just do it. (laughs) I watched,
1: I watched a fuck ton of movies over the weekend.
2: Yeah, you have, you've really been, this is, (laughs) I'm, um, I'm going to hold out the surprise on what this podcast is really about, (laughs) but I will say I am shocked that one of those became your, an instant classic for you. Yeah, because it is a very fucked up movie, but I yeah. actually did quite enjoy it. Uh, you want to tell people what it was?
1: Yeah, no, I, I watched um, I watched three Robert Pattinson movies over the weekend and I was inspired to do this just like thinking about him playing the Batman. And then I, I got to thinking about it and I was like, I don't think I've watched a Robert Pattinson movie in the last 10 years. I think like I just look at him and I see Edward from Twilight and I watched Remember Me and thought that was fucking depressing. Mm-hmm. And I, I, after that, I, I just I completely wrote him off. I'm like, no, I can't ever watch a Robert Pattinson movie again, which seems like a completely weird and arbitrary rule to make. And then, you know, you you mature over time and you realize that you can separate a, a good actor and a bad movie. something we talked about with Tom Hardy just a second ago. So it it was part like comedy bit. Like, you know what? I'm going to bury the hatchet with Robert Pattinson. But then I watched the lighthouse and, uh, it, it really, it really resonated with me. Like, I feel like I've had dreams like that. And, uh, did you just toot?
2: I did my God. Can you pick that up? Damn. We got, we got some good high quality (laughs) shit here. (laughs) Oh my God!
1: But Sorry
2: I, I, to interrupt during your lighthouse.
1: <laughs> I I watched the. It's it's fitting though, considering how much Willem Dafoe toots, his, toots his fucking ass off in that. Can movie. I
2: say that if Willem Dafoe was not an actor, I feel like that that's the perfect job for him. Like that's, I could so see him <laughs> doing that in real life.
1: Yeah, but I I really liked it. I I think there was. Uh, I love that cosmic sense of. Uh, madness and just the isolation and being you know, it felt like that island as I crack open another white claw. Mike Mike picked that up too. But, um
2: but it is you're but it's so di- I'm really shocked of how much you liked it, but it it's I really like that that you dug it because it is a very different movie. And for anyone who hasn't seen it, it's from the director of the witch. Yeah. So it's not it's nothing of a typical um, Story, but it's filmed in black and white. Which, honest to God, was one of the best decisions he Robert I agree. ever made. I agree. And um, and Pattinson and Defoe, man, they so are so good. Yeah, they are phenomenal. So I was really, I thought it was really cool that you really did like it. I think I thought you were messing with me.
1: No, and I I think I, I described it to longtime friend of Silbros so Network E, and I, I told her that uh, I felt like I had sat down on the couch. And was trapped in the story. I felt like I was watching this movie. It was never going to end. And it it was like the same feeling of being trapped in a bad dream. Like you're just uncomfortable. You want out. You want it to be over. But you you also can't look away. It it was sort of hypnotic. And I think that was in large part because of Defoe and Pattinson. And the performances... Uh, the unsettling story, like just as a whole, man, I, I completely was immersed in it. And I, I loved it. My girlfriend hated it. And she yeah, was, she was yeah. pissed at me. Because I picked <laughs> that that was date night. But <laughs> no.
2: oh, that, that is a little that might be a little too much for date night. But to no, be, I agree. I it, Robert Pattinson, when they picked him as Batman, I get that that's an odd choice. But honestly. That man has really broken off from the Twilight teen show. Yeah. And, and, and I, mean,
1: I didn't realize how long ago all that was.
2: Right. Well, and he's been taking risks for a while, but, and I think you've watched these other ones, but for me, and I believe you're caught up, but Good Time.
1: Oh, so good.
2: The Lighthouse and High Life yeah. are the three movies that basically sum up to me that this is a different kind of actor and honestly, Christian Stewart's kind of done the same thing. Yeah. They have broke off into so many Charlie's Angels, things. I know. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but I just, I mean, credit to him because honestly, this is his first big budget movie probably since The Twilight. And on, and I think that he's going to bring a whole different kind of energy, which is, I think, is is welcomed at this point.
1: Yeah, so I, I, I did, I, I wrote, I, I'm, I'm sorry, I watched The Lighthouse, I watched good time and I watched high life. Um, and I think good time was the only one that aura actually liked that my, my girlfriend was actually cool with. And, and I think the only reason she liked that is because halfway through she realized, Hey, um, these are the same people that did uncut gems and she liked uncut gems a a whole lot too. So I, I could see the light bulb going off and suddenly that got good reviews. And, You know, at this point, like, I'm running with the joke, like, we're only watching Robert Pattinson movies this weekend, but it really, when I I tell her, like, Brandon recommended High Life, and she's like, okay, let's find it, and then I I stop her, I'm like, no, 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 it's your turn to pick, like, you don't have to pick this, I don't think this is going to be a very happy movie, and then she no, says, No, not at all. She says, No, no, let's let's give it a shot. Like this is for research purposes, kind of going <laughs> along with the bit. Okay. And then um it shows that doctor like violently writing that uh I don't know what it was, the fuck machine. And I tell her, I'm like, Hey, we can turn this off if you want to. And then uh well, I mean, you know how high life goes. Yeah. I, I kept turning to her and saying, <clears throat> Hey, I don't think this is gonna be a happy movie but uh, we sat through it and I think she was more pissed about that one than she was the lighthouse.
2: Well, Hey, listen, I, you know, I always tell people where like, you know, for years and years, they're like, Hey, have you seen this? And you know, I'm happy to give my opinion, but honestly, it's not for everybody. And it is one of those though, that sometimes you do need to see it for yourself. Like highlights seems so weird to me, but when I actually watched it and sat through it and yeah. saw what they were like, I enjoyed that one. I shouldn't say enjoy, but I admired it. It's very ambitious, but I actually really, like, got it. Yeah. And I left thinking, holy shit, you know what? That wasn't, like, you know, sometimes stuff is too weird or it's too slow. But then there's things where performances and story and then kind of the, you know, the layers underneath what, you know, what is just a simple kind of a, a sci-fi science experiment but really it's it's talking about a lot of things yeah i thought it was really well done but mm-hmm. you know i will say i i would kind of probably good time or lighthouse i would say are probably one of one of the two because good time was so but it and now it makes sense because you've got that feeling in good time and then when you see uncut gems you're more prepared for what you're for what you're in store for, but you know, it, the way the safety brothers work, man, it is, um, it's crazy, but good time was a, it was really well done. That's, that's kind of the one that I like, but lighthouse is just so different. And I think kudos to Pattinson because the directors he's working with, that's, what's making a huge difference in his career.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I I have written my, uh, open letter apology to Robert Pattinson on sobrosnetwork.com.
2: And I think the biggest twist of them all is this podcast is not about Robert Pattinson. No, no at it's all. not.
1: It's not. But we, you know, we got to catch up. I also watched yeah. uh, the Peanut Butter Falcon on on Friday hey, that's night a good as well. One. Yeah, and and that was approved by the girlfriend. So,
2: did you like Jake the Snake's performance?
1: <sighs> We're about to have cats in the studio. I didn't shut the oh, door. No. Um, oh no. Yeah, I love Jake the Snake.
2: He's perfect for that kind of atmosphere
1: (laughs) yeah it just looked like like that that could have been his home that could have been his backyard
2: yeah no that's a good one too shayla buff doesn't get he's on his way up with him with that and honey boy i think he's kind of back but he um yeah it was it was good i'm glad you liked it
1: well we are actually here to talk about Kate blanchett uh, but we're shocker. Gonna, we're going to take what this a shocker. <laughs> we're going to take this opportunity 15 minutes in to take our first commercial break of the show and when we get back we're going to talk about why why are we talking about Kate Blanchett today on the Vix Flix podcast
0: every day we rise challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in at US Border Patrol protecting our borders is more than a job it's a calling agents answer the call working together to keep our country and community safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers.
1: Back here on the VIX Flix podcast, Brandon, uh, I know we've spent 15 minutes talking about Tom Hardy and uh, Robert Pattinson, but we are here to talk about Kate Blanchett because she is – in the news. I mean, she's a pretty high demand actress these days. The, uh, the Australian accomplished actress. I mean, this, this woman has an aura about her that is just class and talent. Uh, but why specifically today are we going to be talking about Kate Blanchett?
2: Well, first of all, which I personally have not watched, it's been getting great reviews, but she is on a FX on Hulu series called Miss America. Um, and it also has Rose Byrne in it. And it's a kind of that um, period with women's rights. And um, so she's, you know, apparently she's been getting really good reviews on that. But there's been um, earlier in the week that she is actually going to be in James Gray's new movie called Armageddon Times. James Gray is yeah. the one that has just been behind Brad Pitt's Ad Astra mm-hmm. Um but also, she has joined Adam McKay's, who's, you know, he's also, I mean, my God, he's done from Anchorman to The Big Short to um, to Vice, and it's, but he's, it's actually his first time working with Netflix on a movie called Don't Look Up that is starring Jennifer Lawrence, and um, and actually, there's, there she's been, it's all based off a of popular video game. She's working with Eli Roth. It's called Borderlands. Borderlands, and yeah. On top of all that she actually just finished shooting for Guillermo Guillermo del Toro's Nightmare Alley that stars Bradley Cooper. But um, production has obviously been stopped because of the COVID-19. So uh, to say that she is in demand even during these quarantine days and making deals is, is, I mean, is putting it lightly.
1: She's also set to play Lucille Ball. In Lucy yeah. and Desi, written by Aaron Sorkin, and uh, produced by Ball's two children for Amazon Studios.
2: And I'm going to tell Ooh, you that's a that's with,
1: a tough ask.
2: With everything we have discussed, she's a two time Oscar winner, and I yeah. got a I got a real good feeling she's going to be a third time one when, when it's all said and done. But honestly. Lucille Ball, I kind of, I so see her playing that. It makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Like I don't, I don't really think you should ask. Hopefully they didn't ask anyone else because (laughs) I think she's perfect for it, but yeah. So she's working with some really talented uh, critically acclaimed directors that I think, um, you know, of someone of her talent and um, would be, I mean, any film's lucky to have Kate Blanchett as we go through some of her movies. Some, I mean, you can't go wrong. You can't go wrong with her.
1: And really, man, that, uh, that Borderlands flick is going to be really interesting. Like the, the whole concept of a video game adaptation, there have been some real swings and misses in that genre.
2: Yeah. What do you mean?
1: Well, uh, the first one that comes to mind, who, who was the, the one that Mark Wahlberg was in? Max Payne? Was he in Max, Max Payne?
2: Payne yes, and, yes. And
1: then like you look at the Tomb Raider movies, which when I was a kid, I liked the mm. Angelina Jolie yeah, Tomb Raider movies. Uh but now, like watching them back, I'm like, oh, this is what are we what are we doing here? I
2: remember um, Doom?
1: Doom? I actually like Doom. Uh it's a cheesy but
2: it, movie, but it's, it's fun.
1: The the same kind of case though is like uh I liked it back then. I don't know if I watched that movie as 33 year old Stony in 2020, I don't know if I would like it, but, oh. but man, to get, um, Kate Blanchett for that, uh, that's, that's kind of like, you're, you're adding a little bit of credibility to that.
2: Yes. I, it, that's, that is one of the points in a movie. If Kate Blanchett's a part of it, you almost feel like, okay, it can't be that shitty
1: Yeah, if exactly. she's willing to do yeah. it. Uh,
2: I, I've never heard of that video game, which I'm not, a, I'm not a gamer anyway, but I am interested because Eli Roth, you know, is known Eli for the Roth, hostile yeah. movies and stuff like that. So I'm, I'm kind of interested in seeing where that goes.
1: Yeah. And I would mention, I, I did like the first two resident evil movies, but uh, I like
2: that. And silent Hill was really good. I never saw I silent Hill like,
1: cause that, that I shit like fucked me those. up.
2: It was, it was, it's actually a very creepy movie. And I remember when like having friends play Silent Hill and like, if you played it with the lights off, I mean, it's, it's a creepy, the sounds alone are creepy as shit.
1: Yeah. Uh, Good. Good for them. They made, they made a decent video game movie. Listen to me. (laughs) Unprofessional with my, my damn phone going off in the middle of the podcast.
2: And you know, it picked it up.
1: (laughs) I know it picked it up. Yeah.
0: Every day we rise.
1: Man, she is as versatile as they come. This is a a, a lady that's been in blockbuster franchises, uh, Lord of the Rings, The Hobbit. You think about her in Thor: Ragnarok. She's been in the the yeah. Marvel Cinematic Universe as well, but she's also done quite a few of these these indie films, and uh, she just she just keeps racking up. Awards nomination. She she has two Academy Awards. She has three Golden Globes and three British Academy Film Awards. But for you, what was the first time that you really noticed her in a movie?
2: You know what? I think it was, and I remember. I mean, I was I was young at the time, but I remember her getting a lot of critical acclaim and stuff. But I think the first movie that like Kate Blanchett was uh, when she did Elizabeth, which okay. I think that was in like '98. Now, that I'm not was, saying that, like, that was, like, my yeah. most anticipated one, but I do go back to her in, in Elizabeth, and then later she did a sequel to it, but I think that's kind of my first real, like, oh, okay, you know, she seemed good, but I wouldn't really, I wouldn't say, like, oh, gosh, I can't wait to see what she does, but I don't know, I always think about, I, I mean, every day I think about her <laughs> performance in Elizabeth, so...
1: Yeah. I would say that. Um, I, uh, yeah, that, that was uh, 1998 and she got her first nomination for the Academy award for best actress, uh, from that, from that movie for me, I remember her from the Lord of the Rings movies. Uh, and, and when I, you mentioned that you wanted to do this episode, I kind of started going through the motions a little bit. And I was thinking like, what's the first thing I really remember her from? And it it was those Lord of the Rings movies. Then uh, in 2004, she plays Catherine Hepburn and the aviator. And I remember that yeah. being like the first time I, I, I watched her and thought, Oh shit. Like she's, she's fucking good.
2: I, yes. And that, and that's, and I think that's her first Oscar. What's her best supporting actress for the aviator
1: Uh, earned her. Am I right? The Academy, Am I right? the Academy award for best supporting actress.
2: And so, and I, and and I remember her because, you know, her part's not huge, but it's it's kind of it's pretty impactful. Um, but you know what, man, it, it's funny, because as I look back, like there's some other films she's done. But between Elizabeth, like I remember, I think we all went to see The Gift. I remember her being in The Gift. OK. And then a year later, she was abandoned with Billy Bob Thornton. and Bruce Oh, Hulls.
1: man, I, I forgot so, about that movie.
2: Those three, I actually do remember her being in it, and um, but then by the time Lord of the Rings, which is a big deal, I mean obviously I do know who she is at that point. And then um, the next one, really for me, is I remember her being in The Missing with Tommy Lee Jones. Yeah. And um, but again, she's already kind of had that exposure because I mean you know she hasn't won the Oscar yet, but I mean you know Lord of the Rings was a big deal. Yeah. Um, and, and yeah, I think by the time she got, I think by the time she got to the aviator, she had really established herself and then winning the Oscar, um, you know, cemented that really.
1: I completely forgot that she was in Indiana Jones and the kingdom of the crystal skull too. Talking about these blockbusters she's in, man.
2: See, now that's the stuff that like, I don't, I don't remember. Now there's one of them, which actually, um, was one of my favorite movies of that year. Um, But her and Brad Pitt in Babel.
1: Yeah, 2006.
2: And I really enjoyed that one. I thought she was really good in. But again, it's all, you know, she does spend a lot of time being supporting characters. And I think that's why Elizabeth really sticks out. Because she, I mean, you know, she took command from the moment that that movie started.
1: She was also nominated for for Oscars uh, in Notes on a Scandal. Elizabeth, the golden age. I'm not there. And Carol, what do you remember about those flicks, Brandon?
2: So notes on a scandal is actually one of my favorite, her and Judi Dench yeah, Judy Dench going head to head. I really like that one. Um, the golden age was okay. I remember thinking Elizabeth was done better, but again, Kate Blanchett barely, you know, ever puts in a bad performance. Um, I think the other one was, you say I'm not there.
1: I'm not there. 2007. I didn't realize uh, that movie was as old as it is.
2: I didn't realize it either, but that was one that's about Bob Dylan, but there's so many um, forms of Bob Dylan and she plays one of them. Um, I, the only other person I honestly remember doing one was Richard gear, yeah. but um, it, it's a very different kind of movie. And obviously it, it was, I actually did like it, but it is very different. And then, um, I'll be honest, Carol was one of those that is very, um, I really liked her in that. It's directed by Tom, Todd Haynes and has um, Rooney Mara in it as well. It's like a really kind of lesbian relationship that was absolutely taboo um, decades ago. And um, I really, I, I liked her in it. Um, but yeah, it, that one was well done. So those nominations, I think, were were well earned.
1: And then you've got, uh, for me, the first movie that came to mind uh, is one she she won the Academy Award for Best Actress in Blue Jasmine, twenty thirteen. Man, talk about a movie!
2: That was a hell of a movie. And honestly, she made that movie. That's a Woody Allen flick, but she yeah. absolutely made that movie. As I really don't think I think she won everything that award season and Clean House I don't yeah, I don't know if 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 you ask me what was her best movie, I don't know if that's it, but I really would tell you I think that might be her best performance in a movie.
1: I I don't think I would disagree. Do you think it's it I mean, is it you obviously look at an actor's filmography different than, you know, like the average Joe does. Um I say Kate Blanchett and like you know, my nephew's liable to be like, Oh, that's Hela from Thor. But, yeah. but as far as you're concerned is, is blue Jasmine, is that the, uh, the role that defines her?
2: No, I, I actually, I actually don't think so. I think it's, um, I think that season it's a very strong performance, but honestly, I do think, um, I do think the Elizabeth and I do think Lord of the Rings, um, and probably even now, Thor Ragnarok has probably made her, um, I guess that gave her the most notoriety, so to speak. Uh,
1: well, I think it definitely made her appeal to a different audience.
2: Yeah, well, and you have to think, for some of the movies she's done are very you know independent, and it's not like Elizabeth was, you know, that was a slow rollout. But obviously, Lord of the Rings, The Hobbit, she plays a voice of uh in how to train your dragon yeah. franchise. So yeah. um I think she's kind of gotten these because of the success and of the Oscars. Um for me, Blue Jasmine, I think is one of her greatest performances. But honestly, man, I still think of like her being the villain at Thor Ragnarok's awesome. Her being yeah. the villain in Hannah is awesome. Oh
1: man, I forgot about that one.
2: Right. And I think a lot of people forget, and I think it was an actual really um, solid performance, is in Benjamin Button.
1: The Curious Case of Benjamin Button, 2008. I I completely forgot she was in that, but yeah, you're right.
2: She's been been in so much, and I know as I was looking, I know in between Benjamin Button and Hannah, there was Robin Hood. Now, I don't think her performance is that memorable, but obviously having her in it does something for the movie, but that wasn't... That's not something I remember as much as um, as the other films that we've uh, discussed so far.
1: We're going to take this opportunity to take our last break of the show, and then when we get back, we're going to keep going through some of the more commercial success uh, stories from Kate Blanchett's career here on the Vix Flicks podcast. Lucky
0: Land Casino asking people, "What's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky?" Lucky in line at the
1: deli, I guess. Ah, in my dentist's office. Back here on the Vicks Flicks podcast, Stoney Keeley wrapping things up with Brandon Vick. Brandon, we've talked about Lord of the Rings, uh, The Hobbit, Benjamin Button, Indiana Jones, Thor Ragnarok, How to Train Your Dragon. Some of her other more commercially successful films include 1999's The Talented Mr. Ripley, one we haven't talked about yet. what do you think of that one?
2: You know what? It's one that I actually probably should go back and watch, but at the time... I was not a huge fan because I remember it being really slow, and yeah, that's... and I did not even think Kate Blanchett was in it because the only people I remember is Matt Damon and Jude Law.
1: That's I immediately think of Matt Damon when I yeah you know I had to kind of go back and and think about it like wait where what what happened here?
2: Right. No, I I, I agree, and you know there's another one and I can't remember her, but a lot of Wes Anderson films have such a cast, but in Life Aquatic, Life which Aquatic. I actually, I enjoyed that movie, but honestly, she falls within, you know, she kind of falls in the middle of the pack, so to speak, you know?
1: Yeah. Um, which is
2: saying something for a Cape, for Kate Blanchett, but still.
1: What about Ocean's 8? Cause it's listed here as a, as a box office draw. Uh, I, I didn't see that one, Brandon, but, uh, but you did. And what did you think yeah. of it?
2: okay. I mean there's a lot where they essentially wanted to recreate um, Oceans 11 uh, but with a female cast and it was essentially Sandra Bullock and Kate Blanchett. Obviously those are the two biggest names and it does help a movie like that but I mean is that something Kate Blanchett needed? No it was it something that you know kind of uh, stretched her talents? I mean absolutely not but I'm sure it was a blast to do.
1: The uh, the last one I'd want to mention here is her uh, her latest one, uh, playing Bernadette Fox in Where'd You Go, Bernadette?
2: Yeah, that is from uh, the director of School of Rock and Boyhood. Um, I it's one of those things, and sometimes it happens with especially someone as talented as Kate Blanchett. But it's one of those where the story itself did not impress me as much as. Kate blanchett's individual performance okay so i liked her but i was not a huge fan of the movie itself um i do remember seeing that when we um when we actually went on vacation and it was um yeah it, it didn't it was not as impressive as you would expect from someone that like the director of um of boyhood school of rock has done a lot of stuff but um but, yeah, I do remember walking away saying, oh, well, I mean, Kate Blanchett was fantastic, but, you know, the rest is, is, you know, they're not catching up with her.
1: Well, every episode we do profiling an actor, or actress's filmography, we do give the Mount Rushmore at the end of the episode. But before we get into that, Brandon, uh, what, what have we missed? Is there any movie of hers that we haven't talked about that you want to mention on this uh, this show?
2: I mean, not really. I mean, the one thing that kind of um, I think that a lot of people would probably say. I think she did. A, I think she did a good job. Again, it's kind of a more uh, pivotal role, but not more, not as you know, effective. But she was uh, the stepmother and Cinderella, the live-action mm-hmm. Cinderella. And uh, but again, I think that is something that for a Cinderella story that everyone knows, there's nothing new. I think having someone like Blanchett plays such a role, like the stepmother, does add to it, and uh, she doesn't disappoint. So I think that, um, you know, I mean, kudos to Kenneth Branagh, who who directed it, that got someone like her to play such a role that, you know, I mean, there's Cinderella and there's a the stepmother. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. But, uh, but no, I think that's really the only one. I mean, there's others that people say, but I don't think she really played as huge of a part as far as, as far as I'm concerned, but I feel like that's one that's probably worth mentioning because she does add something to the role of stepmother for, for a Disney movie that we, I mean, like I said, everybody, everybody knows how it goes.
1: All right. So, uh, how do we want to, uh, how do we want to do this? Do you want me to go first, drop my, uh, Kate Blanchett, Mount Rushmore?
2: Yeah, go ahead.
1: Okay. I, I think right off the bat, I immediately think of Blue Jasmine. I think Blue Jasmine's up there. I think The Aviator's up there. Those were kind of the first two movies that uh, I I really watched of hers that made uh, that sort of lasting impression on me. I I think I would put The Curious Case of Benjamin Button on there as well. Uh, That was one that I really enjoyed, and uh, I'd kind of forgotten about. That wasn't the first one that popped to mind when we started talking about her, but... Uh, since we've, we've hashed everything out here. I'm like, yeah, you know what? That's, that's on the list. And then I would put Thor Ragnarok up there. I mean, partly because that's my favorite superhero movie of all time. Uh, but I, I love the character that she played I, as you know, me being the Marvel fanboy that I am, my fingers are still crossed. They didn't show her die in that movie. So my fingers True. are crossed that she might show up, um, at some point in the future of the Marvel universe. But I I think that would be, uh, that would be it for me. I I never, I hate to admit it, but I never saw Elizabeth. So I'm, that might be some homework for me.
2: I, you know, what I was thinking about this and it's tough because sometimes she's in an awesome movie, but her character plays more of a supporting one. Yeah, sure. So you kind of go by the performance and the movie itself. So, um, I'm in agreement with Blue Jasmine. I'm in agreement with Benjamin Button. I will say in what you just noted, um, I'm going to go with Elizabeth. I think that's one of the first times I really kind of took notice. I also think her performance was uh, fantastic. So I would say Elizabeth, Blue Jasmine, Benjamin Button. And honestly – It's kind of tough because there's a lot of stuff I like, but I mean, I don't really want to say the Lord of the Rings because I feel like that, you know, it's all these, you know, they're important parts, but they're not, um, it doesn't make or break the movie. And she does a great job with, with Carol, but, and, and Thor Ragnarok, honestly, Thor Ragnarok and Hannah, I wish I could kind of put up there, but I really did enjoy Notes on a Scandal. And th- so I that will you be. You can't
1: go wrong with Kate Blanchett and Judi Dench. Are you fucking kidding yeah. me? Yeah,
2: and the two, if for anyone who hasn't seen it, I really, I highly suggest you watch it. It is, it it's a chess match but, and and both performances are absolutely uh, terrific. And so um, this was kind of tough because there she's been in a lot of good ones, but for me, when I think of her. I really, those four really stick out. And honestly, I mean, you know, down the line, you might could switch them out for another one. Uh, But yeah, I really, I feel like those four basically showed, like display the kind of um, the movies that I've enjoyed, that I've recognized her in and have really become a fan because of them.
1: I jotted down Elizabeth and Hannah to go back and, and watch for the first time. I haven't seen either of those. And, uh, I don't know if my girlfriend has seen notes on a scandal. So I jotted that down too. Cause I mean, listen, you get those two together. Like I, I could watch it a million times. You, you, you don't need a reason to watch that.
2: It's so. so they are both so good. But I think what's funny is, and I mean, it's easy. Um, if you haven't seen Hannah, that Thor Ragnarok's kind of the first time that I think a lot of people probably saw Kate Blanchett as a villain. Yeah, sure. But Hannah as far as I know, it was the first time she actually played somebody that um, was uh, quite evil and had uh, did not have good intentions. So it's definitely worth a watch. It also has, I'm gonna butcher her name, but Sorcy Ronan, who we all know from I think that's um, right. Atonement and Little Women, and she's in Lady Bird. And so, um, but yeah, it's um it's a fantastic movie. So yes, I recommend watching watching all of them you got time
1: something tells me Kate blanchett night is going to go a lot better than robert pattinson night
2: oh yeah no to bring it full circle yes you probably can get your girlfriend on board a hell of a lot easier with (laughs) with those Kate blanchett movies you're yeah you're absolutely correct
1: yeah so uh any any parting shots then as we close up shop on this episode of the vix flicks podcast
2: no, none really. I mean, besides the, the movies we've we've uh, mentioned, obviously we do this so people can listen and, and go and, and watch them, whether it's for the first time or in a long time. And yeah. I'm actually glad to do one on Kate Blanchett because I think she is one of the very best, not just actresses, but just performers in general, that um, she does so many different things and she never disappoints. And that's uh, that's something to cherish.
1: I'm with it. Well, uh, remind our listeners how they can get in touch with you on Twitter.
2: At Sir Brandon V, hashtag VIXFlix for all the most up-to-date uh reviews, and at SobrosMovies, of course.
1: And I am at Stony Keeley. Collectively, we are at Sobros Network on all major social media platforms. Do us a favor and give us a subscribe here on the VIXFlix podcast on iTunes, Spotify, wherever you take in your podcast, give us a rate and review. That's how we get better. We're always trying to get better for you guys and have have bigger, better episodes, stuff that you like to enjoy. Uh, give us that feedback. It, it helps us out. And of course, you can check out all of our work at SoBrosNetwork.com, all of our latest movies, what? All of our latest merch, I got so much going on right now. We've got the Sobro Slack going off with messages. I've got my girlfriend texting me about dinner. I'm trying to get through these ad reads to to get to the end of the show. Sobrosnetwork.com. All of our latest merch at Sobroshop.com. And you can sign up to join the Sobros family through Patreon and gain exclusive access to the Sobros team through our Sobros Patreon subscribers Slack group and instantly gain access to over 200 items of premium content that's articles, podcasts, pictures, merch discounts, everything on patreon.com/sobrosnetwork for Mr. Big Shot himself the resident film critic of Sobro's Network Brandon Vick I am the EIC Big Natural Stony Keeley. and until next time you stay classy moviegoers